This has been quite a week. With the royal wedding, I thought, there's no way that the beatification of John Paul II would get much coverage, not with the federal elections taking place in Canada the next day. But then on Sunday, when the top news could have been the beatification, Osama bin Laden is killed in Pakistan. And I was reminded of a similar situation 15 years ago. Mother Teresa was sick, and we all expected her to die. Rumblings were beginning about what a living saint she was and what a life she had lived. And then, unexpectedly, Princess Diana died in a car crash. Suddenly, world attention turned to England, and while no one was looking, Mother Teresa quietly slipped away to be at home with the father. It was as if, even in her dying, she had continued the humility with which she had lived. She did not want world attention, so she waited until something else distracted the world so she could die peacefully without too much fuss. Today, royal watchers are still talking about Wills and Kate, Today, the house where Osama bin Laden was killed has become a tourist attraction. Today, Canadian history continues to be made with a conservative majority government, a new Democrat opposition, and a liberal party that has been almost decimated. Today, Canadians are not talking about a pope who is a saint, but a bishop who is charged with possession of child pornography. Is it John Paul II also trying to be humble so that the world doesn't make too much of a fuss about his life and his accomplishments and his sainthood? Because after all, it's not about John Paul II and his accomplishments or about how he has earned sainthood, but rather how God calls us and about how Christ has saved us. It's about the God who says, don't be afraid. The God who, by his grace, calls us home in holiness. Not so much about the man who did his best to live his life according to that call. So, in the midst of all the news this past week, and it has been a historic week, let's celebrate John Paul II. Let's celebrate a new era in Canadian politics. Let's mourn the lives lost because of terrorism and the lives hurt because of pornography. And let's celebrate young love and marriage. But remember that we do so because God loved us first. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara. Man, Krista Matrenko is in Edmonton and he's going to join us on the phone very shortly. And Jenna is also not with us today, but Andrew Santos will be taking her place with our diocesan update. And if you're looking for a good DVD rental this weekend, no worries. We are going to be hearing from Chris Giardino and his DVD picks. That's in about 20 minutes. And in the second half hour of our program, we're going to be speaking with actor and director Leonardo De Filippis. He's the man behind many dramas on the life of Christ and the lives of the saints, including the feature film that many of you are familiar with, Therese. And our artist this week is uh, Texan, Ben Apollinar, who has a new album uh, by the title of Firm. I saw him last week in Houston. And so here now is Ben Apollinar with a song from his new album. The song is titled, I Surrender. I can see where I'm going. I leave my path of restlessness behind. You are light. You are holy You light the way in front of me My recklessness You're forgiving I give up I give in I 
I surrender. We're going to be speaking with Ben in our second half hour, and coming up next is Lawrence with our Saint of the Week. But before that, Chris Dimitrenko joins me now on the phone from Edmonton with our news. Yes, Peter, there's been a lot of uh, news this week, of course, the beatification on Sunday. Yes. And there has been some discouraging news, and we'll, we'll get that out of the way first. Mm. The, uh, the saga of Bishop Raymond Lahi the former bishop of Antigonish in Nova Scotia, who has now pled guilty to the possession of child pornography. Right. So this is, uh, the charges were laid last year, and so this has finally gone to trial. And now that he's pled guilty, um, uh, it does mean that there no longer will be the three-day trial that was expected for that. Yeah. Now, the Canadian Bishops' Conference has reacted, saying, reiterating that it condemns all forms of sexual exploitation, especially involving minors, and continues to work to prevent such behavior and bring healing to the victims and their families. Right. Now, the Vatican also issued their own statement, mm-hmm. uh, also saying that although the civil process has run its course, the Holy See will continue to follow the canonical procedures in effect for such cases, which will result in the imposition of the appropriate disciplinary or penal measures. So we don't really know, Pedro, just yet um, what those canonical penalties will be, what those penal measures will be, although there's been talk about about whether um, uh, he will still continue to be a bishop. Yes. Um, and there are certain uh, disciplinary uh, procedures in canon law in place for yeah. such measures. Now, there was an interesting meeting in the Vatican over the weekend. Tell us about that. That's right. There was a meeting of 
bloggers in the Vatican, and this was uh, timed to coincide with the beatification since uh, the Pontifical Council for Social Communications and the Pontifical Council for Culture, these mm-hmm. were the two sponsors, they figured a number of bloggers would already be in Rome, so they, they convened the meeting to coincide with that. I know that we talked about this on the radio a yeah, few we weeks did. ago. Yes. And so this was held on uh, on May 2nd, and uh, and just to give you a rundown of what happened, there were two uh, panel discussions that were held with the 150 uh, bloggers who were present, uh, one of the panels was moderated by Rocco Palmo, right. uh, who many know from um, Whispers blog, in the Whispers in the Loggia, yeah. and among others on those panels, uh, on that panel, Elizabeth Scalia, who writes for a blog called The Anchorist. Yeah. Now, the second panel um, featured uh, Father Federico Lombardi among panelists, and he uh, he's the Vatican press officer. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was also addresses by Archbishop uh, Claudio Celi, who's the president of the Pontifical Council for Social Communications, and Cardinal Gianfranco Ravazzi, the head of the Pontifical Council for Culture. And uh, by all accounts, it seemed the meeting went really well, and even one blogger said that she was surprised that it was actually fun. Um, really? She said, she said that, uh, you know, you go to these, you hear about these meetings in the Vatican, and you don't, and you expect them to be informative, certainly. Uh, you expect a lot of talking, but maybe you don't expect fun. And so at least this one was. Well, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you've been in Edmonton for uh, uh, for the whole week. Tell us what you're doing there. Well, Peter, it really feels like an extended come-and-see weekend, as <laughs> I've been here uh, covering the, the opening of the new seminary in Edmonton. And this is really significant, Peter, because such an event hasn't occurred in Canada in over 50 years. I'm not even sure there's been a new seminary opened in North America since uh, since the, the turn of the century, actually. This is a fairly rare event. And it's actually a new seminary campus uh, because it's the relocation of an old seminary okay. um, that was being uh, moved because of a new, a new highway that the government wanted to build. So this gave the seminary a chance to start afresh and build a new building. And so it was formally blessed and dedicated on Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new St. Joseph Seminary is described as a mix of the modern and the classical. It takes the form of a basilica, and they've, it's been really ingenious to design how they've incorporated many elements from the previous buildings, such as moving the stained glass windows. Um, of course, a number of uh, bishops from the West Coast, uh, from the western half of Canada, were there. Our Edmonton's Archbishop Richard Smith was the principal celebrant, and also the premier of Alberta also attended the blessing. The premier is, I guess, similar for our American listeners, like like the governor. And the impact of the seminary, Pedro, will extend far beyond Edmonton. Twelve dioceses are sending candidates for the priesthood to St. Joseph's, including numbering 34 seminarians in total, and they hope uh, that uh, with this new seminary, even more will be coming in the next few years. Oh, well, that's good. That's great news, and it sounds like you're having a very fun time, not just with the bloggers in Vatican, but uh, <laughs> in Edmonton. So thank you, Chris. <laughs> I'm looking forward to having you back uh, with us uh, in the studio next week. Thanks, Peter. Chris Dimitrenko is our Salt and Light Radio news producer. He joined us on the phone from Edmonton. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, remember you can send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. We'd love to hear from you. In about 10 minutes, we have our diocesan update, so stay tuned. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM.
I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up is our diocesan update. But before that, our Saint of the Week with Lawrence. Hey, Pedro. All right. So I'm going to continue with the with a blessed. Okay. Not a saint per se, but I love Canadian. I love the Canadian blesseds. I love that whole period of time, colonial okay. history. So, um, so I want to talk about uh, blessed Catherine of St. Augustine. Who's Canadian. She's French, but she's the founder of the Catholic Church in Canada. Okay, no, I, I, I just, I'm not, like, I'm not, uh, it's not a, a <laughs> criticism against people in France. Yeah. So she's a Canadian saint because she founded, a, like, she was a, considered yes. a founder of the Canadian she's Church. She's one of the missionaries Even though she came from France. Okay. Okay, so let's <laughs> yeah. get started. All right. Yeah, Catherine yeah, yeah. de Lompre was born uh, in northern France in 1632. So she received a good education uh, and at 12 uh, with the advice of St. John Eudes, she entered the Augustinian Sisters of the Mercy of Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, and right away, she decided she basically wanted to go to the missions in Canada. Okay. Um, so in 1639, this is a few years before she entered, before she decided she wanted to become a sister, three of the Augustinian Sisters sailed across the Atlantic to Canada mm-hmm. to start the mission work there. So as, uh, as you may know, Quebec was the first the first successful colony in Canada, yeah, um, established by Samuel de Champlain 30 years before that in 1608. Okay. Um, and so when they arrived there in 1639, they established the first hospital north of Mexico. So the first hospital in Canada and this area. And the United States. Oh, okay, yeah. Was here, founded by these sisters. Was in Quebec, yeah. Cool. Which is amazing. Okay. Uh, so, and even up to this day, the Augustinian sisters actually play a pretty significant role in uh-huh. in healthcare in Canada. Neat. Um, okay. So, as I said, Catherine decided she wanted to go to the missions in Canada, and so she entered the community. And despite her father's wishes, because she was fairly young, yeah, um, she went uh, to Canada in 1648. Okay. Um, so, at these times, sailing across uh, the Atlantic was fairly serious. It usually took between like a month and a half or even two or three months, depending on the weather, yeah. which is crazy if you even think about that. Um, it is, sorry, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just doing the math here. Yeah. I'm listening to you, but so she was born in 1632. In 1648, she was like 16 years old, yeah. 15 years old. Sailing across. So of course her dad didn't want her to come. That's yeah. crazy. I know. He even went to the, the royal court in France to, to, get, to, to get them to stop. But they obviously <laughs> That's didn't. funny, yeah, so she went. she's a nun. Yeah. Um, wow. And... Um, so, um, she crossed. crossing, yeah, crossing was um, fairly strenuous and sanitary was sanitary issues were always a problem. Yeah, yeah. So she ended up contracting the plague. Oh gosh, on her really? voyage. Yeah. Um, but you think she would die from that? No, she recovered. No. And so when she arrived there, she basically dedicated her life to serving the sick and nice and those that are suffering in Canada. Uh huh. Cool. And she died twenty years after arriving in Canada. Uh, fairly young, um, and is considered one of the founders of the Catholic of Church the in Catholic Canada. Church in Canada, F- the order is the f- the founders of the first hospitals in Canada. Basically, yeah. and today, four hundred years later, we have free healthcare in That's Canada. Right. So there you go. Thanks that's where it all begins in the Catholic Church. Thank you very much. Um, so that's Blessed Catherine of Saint Augustine. Um, her feast day is tomorrow, Sunday, May the eighth. So say a little prayer to her and thank uh, thank her that we have free health care. That's right. Thank you, Lawrence. Lawrence Foucault, our saint expert. He's also our Salt and Light TV programming assistant, so he's going to be back in a little bit with our TV programming highlights for the coming week, so stay tuned. 
You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. Salt and Light Radio can also be downloaded as a podcast at saltandlighttv.org slash radio and on iTunes. In the second half of our program, we'll be speaking with Leonardo De Filippis about his work with St. Luke Productions. But now, sitting in for Jenna Murphy is Andrew Santos. All right, Pedro. Um, there's a few events coming on. Uh, there's a special event going on for people in Toronto, Ontario this Sunday. Yep. The Totus Tuus Gala Concert. Now, it's happening at the Roy Thompson Hall. It starts at 7 o'clock. And it's Canada's main event for the beatification of John Paul II. The Catholic Youth Studio invites everyone to the Totus Tuus Gala Concert. Um, it will celebrate the much-awaited beatification of John Paul. And also... It commemorates the 150th anniversary of the death of St. Eugene de Mazenod, um, who is the founder of the Missionary Oblates of Mary Immaculate. Yeah. Um, the Missionary Oblates have continued to play a major role in the Canadian Catholic Church. Now, for anyone who's interested um, or wants more information, you can contact the Catholic Youth Studio. Or actually, you can visit the website, which is jp2concert.com. Yeah, actually, this is, a, if I can just interject, because a couple of years ago, I know that the same group sponsored this huge concert for the 25th anniversary of Pope mm-hmm. John Paul's, and I was involved in that concert. So if you remember that concert and you're in the Toronto area, this is more of the same wonderfulness mm-hmm. of celebrating like John Paul II. Yeah, it's going to be really good tomorrow um, at, uh, at the Roy Thompson at Hall. At the Roy Thompson Hall. So if you're in the Toronto area, by, by oh. all means, uh, check it out. Yeah, and looking ahead to next week, Pedro, yep. people across Canada will be marking the National March for Life in Ottawa, Absolutely. Ontario on Thursday, May the 12th. 12th. Yeah. Uh, Canadians will march to ensure that all human beings, um, regardless of size, their age, their location, um, will someday be protected by the laws of this nation. Mm-hmm. And Mass will be celebrated in the morning at the St. Patrick's Basilica in downtown Ottawa. And it's going to be followed by a gathering on Parliament Hill, a march throughout downtown Ottawa. And there's also going to be some speeches at Parliament Hill by women who have participated in, in abortion. Yeah. Now, Pedro, each year there's a different theme for the march. Yeah. And this year the theme is actually going to be abortion kills a human being. Hmm. So... Hope everyone across the nation, um, no matter where they are, uh, can come out and pay witness to this important cause. Yeah, this is the the largest annual gathering that happens in front of Parliament Hill. And this one's going to be interesting, Andrew, I think, because we have a new government. Yeah, we have a national conservative majority um, government. Yeah, so I don't know <laughs> what that means for the abortion debate, but we know that increasingly there are more and more pro-life members of Parliament. So hopefully we'll get to see them there. I remember way back when, when I first went to a March for Life, You'd be lucky if three MPs showed up. And last time I went, there were 12 MPs present. Members of Parliament. We'll get this time. So maybe we'll have a few more there at least uh, so that we know that the uh, voices are being heard by, by Canadians. So mm-hmm. I know, Andrew, that you're planning on being there. I can't be there. Mm-hmm. But if you're in the Ottawa area or if you're going to be the March for, at the March for Life, look for the Salt and Light crew. Andrew Santos will be there um, and possibly Jenna Murphy as well. And finally, uh, listen up, music musicians. The sacramenti- the sacramentary, I should say, currently being used to provide the text for Mass right. is soon to be replaced. And music ministers, as we know, play an important role in assisting their Sunday assemblies in making the transition to the new texts, yep. which are coming soon. Now, to provide parish musicians in the Archdiocese of Toronto with information and also with resources and ideas, um, there's going to be a workshop 
that's going to be offered by the Archdiocese of Toronto. And take note of this for anyone in Toronto. It's on Saturday, May the 28th, all day, running from 9 to 3. And it's at the Annunciation of the Blessed Virgin Mary Parish Church in North York, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, this workshop is going to assist music ministers to bring the new translation to life. And they're going to review three new mass settings that have been commissioned by the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops. Yep. So for more information, if you're interested in attending or if this is something that interests you, uh, be sure to visit the Archdiocese of Toronto's website, which is www.archtoronto.org. Excellent. And if you're a musician and you're interested in hearing those settings, actually, no, I I think you can only hear one, but if you go to the CCCB website, cccb.ca, I believe it is, um, and look for publications, and you see there's a whole thing on the, on the new masses. You can buy the charts or the scores, and at least I know one of the settings has been recorded, the one by John the Dawson. great one by John Dawson, by John Dawson. as a matter of fact, yeah. So uh, if you're in the Toronto area, again, and you want to learn about these uh, new mass settings, uh, go off to North York. Um, thank you, Andrew, very much. Thank you, Pedro. Um, Andrew, it's your last week with Salt and Light next week. Yes, that's right. So maybe we'll have you on the program next week. Andrew Santos is doing an internship with us here at Salt and Lights. And if you're interested in doing an internship with us, send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org, and you too can be like Andrew Santos. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook, and you can also follow us on Twitter. And now it's time for... Movie Picks with Chris Giardino. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Pedro. How are you? So what movies are we going to talk about today? I thought we'd take a look at uh, The Fighter and uh, True Grit. Those are two of the uh, previous Christmas releases that were heavily nominated for Oscars just uh, a few months back. That's right, and it's two films that I have not seen, so I'm eager to, 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 to hear what you have to say. Yeah, well, in the case of The Fighter, you have uh, a true story uh, directed by David O. Russell and uh, about... Uh, 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 really a story of a family's redemption. It was touted as a story of Mickey Ward, uh, uh, played by Mark Wahlberg, who also produced the film. Mm-hmm. It was a real passion project for him. But uh, and the larger thing, it's about him and how his brother Dickie Endlin, who is addicted to drugs, sort of come to the table. And uh, the Dickie Eklund, played by Christian Bale, who won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, has to overcome his drug addiction mm-hmm. uh, and his sort of like his generally uh, confused life to help coach uh, the Mark Wahlberg character, Mickey Ward, Ward back into the boxing profession to uh, the top tier of the boxing world. Right. And in that sense, the family that they depict, uh, a true story, is very, um, it's very chaotic. There's a lot of tension between them. And it really is a story of sort of like coming from the bottom. What is really good about it, and that sort of it differentiates from, like, say, the Rocky series, is it's played in a much more realistic tone. This is much more of a character piece. It's an ensemble piece. There's not just uh, one story you're following. It's the story of the redemption of the entire family. Uh, In that sense, it certainly is worth checking. It's certainly also from an acting perspective. Is it now? Is it something that I could take my twelve-year-old to, or is it? That's a very good question. Um, Probably not. There is certainly some very adult situations and very adult language in it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that I think older, thoughtful teens would like very much. Mm -hmm. Probably a twelve-year-old, it would be a bit rough. It's a much more adult-produced uh, uh, stories than, say, the Rocky pictures. Right, but you'd say it's adult situations rather than violent situations. Uh, well, violence in the sense of uh, the boxing is violent, certainly. Yeah. Um, and there's a little bit of violence in terms of, like, crime and so forth. So right. there is some violence. It's, it's certainly not a, a family picture or a kid's picture, but for older, thoughtful teens, 
certainly, uh, I think they might get something out of it in terms of the story of redemption. Okay, good. And how does that compare with True Grit? Uh, True Grit, again, it's a remake of the old uh, John Wayne classic, for mm-hmm. which uh, Wayne won his uh, one and only Oscar. Uh, but this is redone by the, uh, the Coen brothers, Joel and Ethan Coen, yeah. uh, based on the, uh, the novel. And much more true to the novel, the story of Maddie Ross, played by Elizabeth Marvel. Um, and again, at the beginning of the film, her father is killed by some bandits. And the story follows her wanting to seek vengeance or justice and find the people that killed her father and bring them to justice. Right. Initially, she's laughed at by the, uh, the townspeople and the, uh, the justice of the town. So she turns to Rooster Cogburn, played by Jeff Bridges in uh, another Academy Award-nominated role. And he plays the role in much the same way that John Wayne did, very big, very over-the-top. But there's also a real human core to him. And the story is really about, again, it's about redemption and justice, but also the price of that. Interesting. Uh, there's a coda to the film where you start, you know, even though much of the film has a lot of humor in it and Jeff Bridges' sort of over-the-top character is a lot of fun to watch, in the last 10 minutes, I won't say what happens, hmm. there's a real sense that you can get justice, but it comes at a cost. Uh, right. And so it lends the film a certain gravitas, okay. which is very thoughtful. Okay, so, in ter- so these two, both films you'd say are about redemption, so in terms of that are worth... I guess like, that's the redeeming, no pun intended, factor. Is it? Is it? It's not a family film either. Uh, well, True Grit probably again it had a PG rating in Canada. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe it did. Um, it's a bit more or PG thirteen in the states rather. I think it was AA here. Um, it, it, again, it, that would depend. It's certainly not as adult in tone as say The Fighter in terms of language or situations. There's a few scenes of some graphic violence. Right. Um, but you know, it, it's not a family film per se. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, you know, if you had a twelve. 13-year-old, you might be able to sort of talk them through it. And again, there's certain themes in it that make it worthwhile. Okay, great. Chris, so those are two great films that, that you recommend, The Fighter and True Grit. People can find them, I guess, at their local DVD store. Uh, uh, the Fighter, yes. True Grit is out in about a month on DVD. Okay, and, and they're both films that not only are they good for their themes, they're beautifully crafted films, too, yeah, with wonderful okay. scores and a cinematography. Great. Well, thank you so much. I hope that that helps people in their uh, movie search uh, as they're looking to rent something to keep themselves entertained on the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Okay, Chris Giordino, our movie expert, he's going to be back in about three weeks or so. And in the meantime, happy movie watching. We're Libera. And you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM Radio. Our blog is saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro, and back with me now is Lawrence for our programming update. All right, Pedro. Pretty exciting week, especially Sunday. Okay. Okay, so we have tomorrow, Sunday, May 8th, we have a new Witness episode with Father James Phelan at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. Yeah. Father James is the director of Family Rosary International, which is one of the initiatives of Holy Cross Family Ministries. Yeah. So he is part of the same community as... St. Andre Bissett. Yeah, okay, good. And if people might, maybe they, they might not recognize the, the name Family Rosary International, but I'm sure you remember the slogan, the slogan, <laughs> um, the family that prays together stays so, together. Yeah. So that's, that's Family Rosary International. They started yeah, that yeah. a kajillion years ago. So that's uh, Father James Phelan as the uh, director of Family Rosary International. So that's tomorrow, Sunday, May 8th, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. And it's repeated Thursday, May 12th, uh, same time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. Nice. And right after that, we have... Um, on Sunday. A new, on Sunday. A yep. new Pains of Glory, uh, May 8th at 830, uh, 8.30 Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. Um, so this is our new series. Yes, we haven't talked about it yet on the show. No, we no. haven't. Pains of Glory. That's right. This is episode two of four on the Doctors of the Church. So this, this series is 
with um, our producer, Mary Rose Bacani. She talks to Father Michael Prier on about his book, which kind of reveals the beautiful stained glass windows of St. Peter's Seminary in London, yeah, Ontario. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful program. So if yeah. uh, people missed, well, if they missed the first one, I'm sure that we'll air it again, but mm-hmm. certainly tune in for the second one, Pains of Glory. What's the second episode about? Uh, the Doctors of the Church. Okay, good. Yeah. So that's tomorrow, Sunday, May 8th, right after Witness at 8.30 p.m., 9.30 p.m., 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. Is there a repeat? There is, yeah. So it, uh, it's, all of them are going to repeat um, the following Friday. So the second episode is going to repeat Friday, May 13th, okay. 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. Excellent. And then we have after that our documentary Within Your Gates at 9 p.m. Eastern, oh. a, uh, 10 Pacific. Uh-huh. Uh, so this is with um, our uh, producer, Krista Matrenko. Yeah. So he retraces Pope Benedict's uh, 2009 trip to the Holy Land. Another excellent pr- uh, production. Yeah. Very yeah. beautiful. Yes. So that's tomorrow after Pains of Glory, uh, Within Your Gates, 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 Pacific. And it repeats um, okay, the following Wednesday, May 11th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. Excellent. And then we have a new Nothing More Beautiful. This is next Saturday, May 14th, uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. So Nothing More Beautiful is um, a series of catechesis and witness talks um, from the Archdiocese of Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, Witness for this episode is Cam and Nadine McDonald. Uh And the catechist is uh, Father Raniero Cantalamessa. Really? Who is the... The the papal... Preacher, yeah, the preacher to the, the papal the, household. Are you serious? Yeah, he's a Capuchin friar. Nice. And he, actually, I was doing some research, and he's been doing that since he did uh, it for 1980. John Paul II. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. I heard that I haven't figured, I haven't uh, checked this, but he was preaching kind of charismatically under the window of Pope John Paul II, uh-huh. who heard him. Sounds like an urban myth. Maybe, maybe, but he went to the window. It's interesting anyways. Went to the window, yelled down, asked who it was, found out who it was, and that's how he got the job. Okay, so he's a Capuchin friar. Yeah. Raniero Cantelamesa, and so he is the catechist for this Nothing More Beautiful. So he preaches to the Pope, and now he's preaching to the people of Edmonton. There you go. And you can watch it on Salt and Light Television next Saturday, May the 14th. Uh, Nothing More Beautiful, 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. That sounds like a good one, too. Thank you, Lawrence. Remember that if uh, you're outside our TV broadcasting area, you can watch all our programs streaming live at saltandlighttv.org. And coming up in the second half hour is our featured artist of the week, Ben Apollinar. And we're also going to speak with actor-director Leonardo De Filippis. He's from St. Luke Productions. So don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio, part two. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. I'm sure many of you remember a couple of years ago, there was a film, Therese, on the life of St. Therese of Lisieux. Now, did you know that behind the making of that film, there is a whole production company that has been dedicated to producing dramas on the life of Christ and the saints, St. Luke Productions. And they have been doing this for three decades. And the man behind St. Luke Productions is actor and director, Leonardo de Filippis, and he's currently touring Canada with a production on the life of St. John Vianney, and I'm very happy that Leonardo de Filippis is joining us now on Salt and Light Radio. Leo, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here at Salt and Light. I, I, I guess I have to clarify, because it's St. Luke Productions does the theater stuff, and then there's Luke Films, right? Exactly. We do both. They're kind of a 
mother uh, mother daughter situation. Okay, good. So just to, I, I, in case people get confused, and we'll get to that. I want to start though way back when you're a Shakespearean actor. You're trained in that tradition. That is correct. So how did you end up doing these shows about saints? Well, I was in, you know, doing the normal things like you would have, like at Stratford on Ontario. Yeah. And then I eventually had a a uh, conversion in while I was in the theater itself. Okay. And uh, during that time, and so. Uh, when I was thinking, uh, I was thinking of religious life after that, uh-huh. or priesthood, and then uh, a priest it was actually who came to me and said, "Why don't you, Leonardo? Why don't you get something ready for a, a conference?" <laughs> and he asked me if I would do something on the gospel. Okay. And because of that, I started uh, the first gospel I did was Saint Luke for uh, Saint Luke, right. Gospel Saint Luke, and I performed that. And then a couple months later, I created another show on, on the Gospel of Luke. And then before I knew it, I was starting to do the lives of the saints. Right. So, and I guess the name St. Luke Productions then comes from that first show that you were It comes from that first show, and it just is providential that uh, St. Luke is not, he has many patronages, but he is also the patron saint of artists. Really? Yes, because he's the first uh, uh, person to ever paint uh, the, by tradition, the the image of the Blessed Mother and... um, that's right. Uh, and, we, uh, and child, which the would icon, be Our Lady yeah. Chinsnall with the Black Madonna. That's right. I did not know he was so a So he's our first Christian painter. Interesting. Well, that's good to know. Now, um, what sort of, what, what's, what shows have you done? What, uh, you've done the gospel? Well, I started after that, after the gospel of Luke. Uh, I did one for an Advent season and then for the Passion for Lent. Yeah. And then I did St. Francis of Assisi for the 800th anniversary of his birth. Uh-huh. And then right after that, I did the Gospel of the entire Gospel of John, uh, when John Paul wanted the uh, the, the Orthodox uh-huh. and the Roman right to come together in unity. So I did that as a Byzantine approach to the to the Gospel. And then I, after that, I did the Confessions of Saint Augustine. And then I, the Carmelites got a hold of me. I did Saint John of the Cross for his 400th anniversary, uh-huh. um, his death. And then I did. Uh, uh, after that, I ended up doing St. Maximilian Kolbe, right. uh, you know, for his 100th anniversary. And then I did uh, the Song of Songs uh, in in the interim there. And then I jumped into uh, St. Therese, uh, the live drama. Yeah. And then uh, eventually the most recent drama being St. John Vianney. But in right. the mix of all that, I, I was doing films on... Uh, we created uh, six uh, videos for television, and then we eventually did the film on St. Therese yeah. itself for the yeah. movie theater. Yeah, and I do want to talk to you about that, but so just so the, all these shows, the, the, the stage shows, you write them, or do you have a team of writers, or how do you... How do uh, they... Well, a little bit of both. Um, I usually do the research and writing, and then uh, my wife would do, she's a very good writer and editor, uh-huh. and then I would always have a scholar that I would be working with, say, you know, to with, check you know somebody who really knows that saint's history and life okay. very well. And are most of the stage shows kind of one-man shows? Are they they are all one-person shows, yeah. though we've kind of created a, a very unique kind of style, how we do these one-person shows with light sounds, uh, you know, a, a lot of music. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just a note for anyone that might be joining uh, the program at this time. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara. Man, we're speaking with Leonardo de Filippis. He's a actor and director and, I guess, founder of St. Luke Productions and Luke Films. Um, so tell us about Therese, the film. How did, how did you go from doing one-person shows on stage to this massive $1 million budget production? Well, what I did was I started to do small films on uh, St. Francis, uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe, St. Yeah. John of the Cross. Uh, and then when I jumped into St. Therese, 
we were challenged, should we just do a, a record of the actual play, translating that into a video format, mm-hmm. or should I try to do an actual feature film? And there hadn't really, there'd only been one other uh, black and white film yeah. uh, it, that was more uh, an actual feature film of the realistic. There was a French film that was more done in the studio the whole time, right. more of a symbolic thing. So we decided to do a realistic full-length feature film. And so we jumped into that, and it became the the first movie that was completely done by donations and completely done, in a sense, by the church itself. Because uh, so many different uh, parishes and groups, bishops, priests, laity, etc., all came forward together to help us put this together. And then after we made it, and and, uh, we had to get it distributed, and so it ended up happening, because most uh, Hollywood groups did not know who St. Therese was, uh, we mm-hmm. ended up becoming the first uh, Catholic distribution company. Okay. That actually, we created the company in order to launch the actual film legally into the, uh, you know, into the movie theaters and into the movie theaters here in Canada also. Yeah. So uh, that's how it all came about, and and we had the great grace of, I did have the great grace of flying to different parts of Canada to help promote yes. the movie. Yeah. And uh, so that it, it at least get known by the people. Yeah, for sure, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, watched the film. I and I, I I remember when you came to Toronto to promote the film, and I met you at that time. Now, tell us a bit about Vianney, because this is the show that you're touring in Canada right now. You've been to, uh, you've had shows in London and Toronto and up in Barrie uh, already. Um, you're moving on to the East Coast. So, is Vianney one of these one-person shows? You're a man, one-man show. It is a one-person show. And but you, what's very interesting, it's a we created a movie. It's an interactive movie. Okay. with the actual character. Uh-huh. So what will happen to the audience itself is you will forget that it's an actual one-person show. You will start to see characters appear and disappear in relationship in the same space that uh, Vianney is in. So okay. um, it's, a, it's a quite a quite a very you know original type of approach to live drama. But wait, so these characters are all played also by you or by different actors? By different actors okay. and actresses. And some some of them by me. And does the character, the the Vianney character played by you, interact with some of these yes, other characters? Yes, he interacts with the. You'll see him interact with the devil. Interesting. Who's one of the because Saint John Vianney is one of the most attacked saints by uh, by the devil. So you'll see real battle. You'll see Saint Philomena. You're going to meet the villagers uh, of ours. You're going to meet different uh, priests, religious. Um, you're going to meet children. Um, so it's it's quite an interesting approach and. Uh, and so it's become one of our most popular uh, performances that I've ever done in, in 30 years. Right. Now, uh, you, you developed, I presume, the Vianney show because of the Year for Priests? Yes, that is correct. I did. I created it before it was going to happen for the 150th anniversary of his death. Uh-huh. But I knew that the church would do something. I didn't know what they were going to do. Because right. it was hard to just ignore St. John Vianney. So then the Pope, of course, since he's the patron saint of himself and all the other priests, uh-huh. he decided to declare it the year of the priesthood in honor to inspire all priests and all laity to understand the meaning and role of the priesthood in order to pray for them. Yeah, no, and it's been neat because, I mean, with the year of the priest ended almost a year ago, but it's continued through the work that you're doing with this show. It's, it it's... really is because we're coming, going diocese by diocese. So we're here in Canada. We started out in British Columbia. Yep. And so we did it with the heart of John Vianney, the relic, and we're going from parish so that the bishop is involved, he comes, the, mm-hmm. the vocation director, the priest comes, yes. the laity come, because it's in unity, because John Vianney is really the saint of the structure of the church, mm-hmm. being a parish priest, and all he did in his history. 
so because even the saints themselves come from parish life. Yeah. Well, and that's, so we just, that's our home, so to speak. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a fascinating uh, work that you're doing, Leonardo. I, I wish you all the best. It's great that you're also encouraging people to celebrate the priesthood and celebrate the church through this particular show. So I encourage um, uh, our listeners, if you're anywhere near... Um, Barry's Bay, uh, St. John, New Brunswick, Fredericton, New Brunswick. There's shows in Charlottetown and Halifax uh, at the Marion Gathering at uh, Mount St. Vincent University in Halifax. Um, there's also another show uh, at the end of the tour, May 22nd, back in Portland, Oregon, where uh, St. Luke Productions is based. So go to stlukeproductions.com, find out where those shows are and what the dates are and, and all the information so you can go... Uh, learn more about St. John Vianney, and hopefully it'll feed your, your faith, your spiritual life, and you can also support a great venture. Leonardo, it's been a great pleasure speaking to you and seeing you in Toronto and uh, having you on the show. Well, God bless you, and God bless all the work that you're doing, and God bless us in life. Thank you very much. And here now is our featured artist of the week, Ben Apollinar, with a song from his new album, Firm. The song is titled, My God. My God, my God. Featured Artist of the Week, Ben Apollinar, with his song, My God, from his newest album, Firm. 
I was just in Houston last week, and I had the chance to reconnect with an old friend. Uh, not that he's old, but yeah, we have known each other for a couple of years. He's a Texan. He's been involved in music ministry since he's a teenager. He was part of a group called Sudden Impact, and we'll, I want to ask him about that. But he had a powerful experience that forever changed the direction of his life and music. And Ben Apollinar has a new album called Firm. It's fresh off the press. So I'm happy to have Ben joining us now on Salt and Light Radio from his hometown, Texas City, Texas. Is that correct? That is correct. There's actually hey, a place in Texas. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> You're welcome. There's actually a place in Texas called Texas City. You know, when I first moved there, I had to um, look at the map and go, is there really a Texas City, Texas? Because uh, they said, you got to move to Texas City. I'm going, I, you're kidding, right? They, There's they, a Texas City. Uh, I was confused. They couldn't come up with a, with a new name. That's no. all right. So I, I do want to go back, back in time here because Sudden Impact was like 30 years ago or something, right? Right. So, and it's, it's I remember, but I remember <laughs> Sudden Impact, but I have a feeling that the Sudden Impact I remember it might either not be the same sudden impact or it was like a reincarnation of it because in 1986 or whenever that was, I didn't hear about sudden impact. So tell me about um, how you ended up with sudden impact and kind of what happened. We, um, we used to have a uh, pop group again. The, the name of the group was pop was uh, sudden impact. And then um, we, uh, like most people, uh, like most guys in bands, we played um, the pop circuit in the uh, West Texas area. And then um, in, um, it, I had had a dream. We were working in ministry at the time uh, in the church, heavily so, involved. So are you the group or are you... Myself, myself and uh, two other members, uh, Eddie Vasquez and okay. uh, Mickey Vasquez. Yeah, so, we so, okay, so we so, were pretty tight in high school. Okay, so Sudden Impact that was doing secular gigs yes. was, was also involved, you and those, those two guys, in ministry. That's correct. Okay, I get it. That, that's correct. And then... Um, during uh, during that time, well, even though we were still working, we were playing on Sundays, doing liturgy, and um, and uh, doing our work in the church. Um, we were still playing our, our gigs on the weekends, and uh, I remember one uh, night that I had had a dream where I had seen the image of sudden impact um, shatter before me, hmm. and um, I always paid close attention to to my dreams to me that's where uh, you know in in my heart and in my soul that's where the lord speaks to me the most it's probably because i pay attention the most i'm i'm not yeah. moving around i'm i'm really focused somehow some way so uh, right. the lord catches my attention then yeah but anyway um when we were um when God, it's been such a long time when um when that happened i knew that there had to be a change i knew that there was a um a calling something deeper that needed to happen mm-hmm. and so i let the guys know hey look this is the here's the situation i can no longer be a part of what the um, what we're doing there has to be a greater purpose and i know that it uh, god is involved in it mm-hmm. so um they embraced it um immediately um, that that was the good news is that they embraced it immediately. We had two albums uh, come out. One of them was um, by Faith was our second album. The first one uh, was just Sudden Impact, brand new start. Right. And um, those were uh, those were really growing times in our in our in my spiritual walk. Yeah. So so the three of you were involved in the church. It's not like you had a crisis of faith or anything, but somehow had you not realized that. Did you see a conflict with what you were doing in the secular scene? Like, was it, was it bad? It's not like you were doing bad things. 
No, it it wasn't. It was just probably more focused. There was a need. Um, what I believed the the style of music that we were playing. Um, we were uh, playing some of the music, just uh, just our style. You know, when you go, you know, there was a time when people grew up in the church that yeah. all they listened to or the music was lent lent itself to um, to the organ. Yeah. And so now uh, this was, uh, I guess, um, looking back, it was probably a generation of people that needed to listen to music in a in a new way, not the not downplaying any other. It's just yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. It was just a little bit different. Yeah. Okay, and so um, I believe that that's probably one of the reasons why this calling was so deep because it was uh, it did reach out to many people uh, uh, in our, in our parish in our and we also started playing in other parishes as well. Yeah. Kind of took our uh, our music on the road and uh, played for masses at uh, in the surrounding West Texas area, Kermit, Monahan's, uh, yeah. Odessa, El Paso diocese. Um, we played conferences and we brought our music, this new music, to um, yeah. to the Catholic Church. I say we brought it to the Catholic Church. We brought ourselves into or to the Catholic Church to a deeper meaning, meaning uh, with our music, and um, it was well received. Let me just say that yeah. it was well received. And I think time. that that's around the time that I actually did hear about Sun Impact. Now, just to know, Ben, for anyone that might be tuning in at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro, and we're speaking to our featured artist of the week, Ben Apollinar. Um, did you continue playing with Sudden Impact uh, up until like 2000 or so? Uh, probably, I want to say it was probably close to 98, yeah. uh, 2000, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, then so moved then, to uh, on to Houston. Yeah, okay, because that's, that's when I heard about Sudden Impact. And then I think recently, I, like very soon after I heard about, then I didn't, uh, or I heard her that the, the band split up and stuff. And then I, uh, that's about the time that I met you actually in 2001. Um, Correct in uh, in Arkansas. In Arkansas at uh, John Michael Talbot's twentieth or twenty fifth, twentieth twentieth anniversary. Anyway, I don't remember. That was a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, that was great. That was great times. Great times. It there, was. Yeah. It was. Tell tell us a bit about this new album, Firm. This, yeah, well, this album is um, it is a collection of strong of uh, songs that will um, strengthen your faith. Uh, obviously, it has. Um, there are many psalms in mm-hmm. the uh, in the album. Um, they're meant to. We use them in our church. We use them at, at mass um, for the responsorial psalms. And um, um, I don't want people to be intimidated by the big production because it has to be. It has to be likable um, when we're when we're putting it on in uh, to make it marketable. Yeah. But when you are, you can remember that every song starts with an instrument, and so uh, the songs are meant to be used in mass. Okay. And uh, it is a. Um, I guarantee you that it will probably make you take a. The, 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 it'll make you take a, a second listen, um, because the songs are so strong. Uh, they're yeah. they're straightforward. There's no watered down lyrics in it. Uh, we played this past weekend in Baytown, mm-hmm. and um, some of the some of the young people were going, "Boy, this is really Catholic." Yeah. And so that's that was the whole idea behind it is to make sure that that the product was uh, definitely going to be uh, Catholic based. That's that's who we are. Yeah. And so, so you so your your intention is that to have the music played at mass. Do you have charts available? Like if people want to find out what the chords are, that kind of thing. Can we are working on that right now. We do. We are working on the um, on the charts. Uh, working with the uh, some other musicians or rather some uh, band directors here yeah. in Texas City, trying to get that get, trying to get it charted out. Correct. Nice, nice. So that's that's really useful. Thank you. Um, um, why the title firm? Uh, 
This is where I am at probably where I've been and where I long to be, where <laughs> I long to remain, is firm in my faith. Okay. And I think that speaks of, of, any, of everyone else. You've either been there, you've either been firm in your faith, you desire to be firm in your faith, or you are firm in your faith. Right. And that's uh, it's just a reflection when you listen to the CD. It's like a little journey when you start off. Uh, you start off with firm, and you start off with the hallelujah, and you keep on going to the very end till you hit the bread from heaven, and it's so soothing. You can't, you can't help but leave with a sense of, wow, this really defines you know, who I am. One of these songs really defines who I am in my spiritual walk, and it should, because again, these songs come straight out of the lectionary. Yeah. Okay, many of these songs come out of the lectionary, so uh, it, it's just very uh, affirming, and I know that that's what it speaks that's how it came to me. Is yeah. um, I needed to I needed to put this out because this is who I am at this very moment yeah. uh, in my life, and and I just kind of wanted to share that with everyone. Yeah. Now you know that the theme for this year's World Youth Day in Madrid is firm in the faith. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so the, that was just co- completely coincidental that you had sort of go, were going in that direction, or was, was there a, a, a... It, you know, it, uh, it's amazing. You know, we started this project back in uh, 2009. It's amazing. And um, it's been almost 15 months uh, since we've... Uh, yeah, since amazing. we started, since it's released, uh, since, since the release, in, I'm sorry, it's been 15 months of hard work, rather. Yes. But um, it, no, no, uh, I really had no idea that it was going to be that's, firm in the faith. It just great. so happens that that's just the way it worked out. Well, uh, yeah. It's just, just amazing. Well, great. So maybe maybe not just helping people in liturgy, but you can help uh, groups uh, prepare as they're going to, if they're going to Madrid to prepare for World Youth Day through the album and through that song in, in particular. Um, ben, that's all the time that we have. But uh, this has been really good reconnecting with you and, and, awesome. and certainly seeing you last week in Houston and meeting your wife, Priscilla. Um, that, that was just a lot of fun. So uh, keep up the good work, eh? It was really great to see you, Pedro. Uh, I know that we will connect again, and I uh, sure appreciate everything you're doing for, uh, for the Catholic faith. Yeah, for sure. Uh, maybe we'll have you up here in Canada for uh, some Firm in the Faith concerts. I'm almost on my way right now. <laughs> Great, thank you. So um, that was uh, Ben Apollinar, our featured artist of the week. If you want to find out more information, you want to find out how to get the album firm or to book Ben Apollinar for an event, you just go to his website, benapollinar.com, B-E-N-A-P-O-L-I-N-A-R.com. We're going to put a link uh, to that site off our website as well. Um, here now is Ben with the title track, from that album, Firm. I look in the mirror and all I can see Is a person who longs to be free Free to do, free to be Everything God calls me to That's not to say I don't know who I am The more I proclaim, the stronger I stand
We're listening to Firm from Ben Apollinar's newest album by the same title, Firm. And that's the end of our program this week. If you missed any part of this broadcast or want to listen to any Salt and Light radio program or check out the links to our artists or guests, just go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And remember, Salt and Light Radio is part of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation dedicated to bring light to the world through media. We have a ton of media resources, a great blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog, and a huge video library. Check it out. It's all at saltandlighttv.org. And don't forget, if you like what you hear on this program, or if you have any suggestions for featured interviews or artists, write to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. Right for you.